Mane does it again for Liverpool. It's the FPL surgery. Welcome back, listeners. Episode 149. We are one shy of our one and a half century. Coming to you on the 5th of November 2019. Champions League night, the Iceman's favourite. Let's get straight into it. First of all, welcoming back our editor-in-chief, our head honcho, our man with a plan, Phil and the rest, the Iceman. (laughs) Thank you very much, Phil. It's quite a welcome back. Welcome back to yourself too. Thank you. Lovely uh, lovely to be back talking and chatting all things FPL. Again, I promise you I will keep Champions League chat to a minimum. Good. That's good. That's good. And uh, hoping to overcome some of the connection problems that probably maybe sound a bit shite last week. So apologies to listeners for the uh, the issues there. Although I think the Iceman did a good job of editing. Well, I, I was around your house this weekend and I hope that what I've done to your laptop has fixed that. But we are yet to see. So exciting times for <coughs> FPL surgery on your connection issues. Yes, looking forward to see what sort of interesting things the Iceman has done to my laptop. Could be another discussion altogether. Yeah, looked in the history. Yeah. Looked in the history, yeah. So intros. First of all, we've got two quality guests on. We're joined by Alex, who has changed his name to Water Baby Ball, <laughs> with seven top 20k finishes, the highest being 3,026. Welcome back, Alex. Morning, fellas. How's it going? Uh, evening, mate. Evening. Morning, you're Evening, Aaron. Very good, thanks. We're ahead of you. Um, We're ahead of you. Just saying. <laughs> head of head of the game. Always head of the head game. Of game. Yeah. Um, and I'm still rubbish at FPL. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm that was going to be my next question. So, living in the future, what's what's it like in the future? And how, how have you been faring this season? <laughs> rubbish. So, being as apparently I can cheat by being ahead of time, I'm still not succeeding. So, go figure. Uh, no, my se- my season is going mediocre at very best. Sort of cruising around the 900k mark which is uh which is not a great place to be but uh, uh struggling to gain a bit of traction but anyway we we uh that's why we play the game isn't it it's a bit of a challenge so we'll we'll carry on uh, plodding forward from here indeed you have to soldier on through the bad times um be looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this weekend's fixtures given you're going to get the results before us even you are in <laughs> the future <laughs> yeah great to have you back. i'll let you know we've also got ron frost or ronnie as we're going to refer to him Throughout the podcast, one of our brilliant, loyal Patreon followers. He's pledged consistently at the highest tier. Great contributor to the Slack channel as well. Really value having him on board. Welcome to the podcast, Ronnie. Thank you. Welcome, Ronnie. Ronnie, give the, give the listeners a bit of an introduction to yourself. How did you get into FPL? How have you been faring this season? So this season is like most of the other managers around, I guess. It's been rubbish it's been bad <laughs> so i've been up and down from 1.5 million to 500k and now i'm around 1 million yeah so this is my second season i got into fpl through a work league uh, last year i didn't even play or watch any football so it was uh, quite the learning curve last year and also this year with uh, lots of stuff to learn. But the uh, Slack has given me a lot of good information this year. Yeah, some, uh, there's some top guests in there. So yeah, lots to lots to learn from that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how many people get kind of roped into their work leads and then uh, and then become quite specialist in it. I think that's a familiar story for a lot of our guests. I'm um, looking forward to hearing what you've got to say about the upcoming game week. First of all, chaps, let's have a look at the FPL headlines, which uh, each of you have kindly contributed to. So, first of all, is the eye test needed anymore? Number two, why are we spending money on premiums? What to do about Paul and City players as the fixtures get tougher for City and easier for Liverpool? Is it okay to have three players from multiple teams? And we've got uh, Liverpool, Chelsea and Leicester in mind for that. 
And uh, what has happened to the Burnley defence? My, my Pope keeper selection was wonderful for a while, not so much now. So we'll talk about that. First of all, let's uh, talk a bit about how we got on in our last game week. So, Alex, I'm going to come to you first. How did you fare? Oh, look, I had King Lundstrom in there, so it's always going to be slightly better because of a 21-point haul from a... Um, from a four million defender, Indeed, so yeah. Yeah, that that was uh, that was quite nice. My defence did nicely with Arnold and Dinley. My midfield did literally nothing, and then yeah, uh, my strikers fared rather well. But unfortunately, Soyuncu was sat uh, sat at bench number one with his nice fourteen points, which is just a bit of a kick in the teeth there, to be honest. So all in all, I ended up with sixty two points, and yes, yeah, small green arrow to about I think I'm about nine hundred. 900k so could have been a lot better had i decided to uh, to play soyuncu but um those are the decisions you make and uh, you, you you win some and you lose some so yeah not too bad okay yeah and uh, how about you ronnie how did you fare well i got 52 points also had longstrom saving everything really i had uh, tammy as well that gave me somewhat of a decent uh week uh my problem i had also soyuncu uh, on the bench, along with Digne. So that was 20 points Oof. right on the bench. <laughs> that's a heavy bench right there. Yeah. Very heavy. That's what a bench boost might have been helpful for you this week. Oh, uh, yeah. This week, I... Yeah. You just wouldn't predict it, though. It's just not the no, time no, to no, be no. using that. Definitely not. Iceman. Ugh, Mr. Talk Average is back. Talk to me about back. your football team. Yeah, Mr. Average is back in town. Nice 55 points, two above average. So just not really my season at the moment. I'm now drifting around the 1.1 million. My decision this week was who to start, really. And I went for start and see on you. It was lucky because I obviously didn't have Lundstrom, which is a major problem in my team. I got the Robinson goal, but my captain went on Sterling, as did nearly everyone else's. But I have got Luca Dean and Rico with a nice clean... Well, uh, with a assist and a cleanie on my bench. So, yeah, not great for me. I'm just, I'm glad I didn't do the Aubameyang to Vardy move, which I was very tempted to because Aubameyang got two points more. So that would have put me bang on average. So I'm just over. So that makes me a little bit happier than I was. So, James, what are you going to do about Lundstrom? Are you going to bother getting him in now or are you just going to admit defeat and, and leave him? I'm still torn on it, you know. I, I mean, I, I've got decisions for this week and I am quite te- I have been tempted just to move him in maybe even for like the likes of Van Dijk because he's not proven his value at the moment but I think I'm just going to leave it and just say look he's not going to do that every week and he hasn't been doing it every week he has got a fair amount of returns uh, I would love to have him in my team I think he's just a maybe a wait until a wild card which I don't think I'm ready for yet I mean he's got two tough fixtures well three tough mm-hmm. fixtures coming up yeah he I does I, I think I can cope with that and maybe game week 15 he might be one to bring in I mean I know he's very attacking he can get assists from wherever and he's <laughs> scored the two goals but He's not going to get that every game, and I'm just going to hope mm. that Sheffield, they're not a great attacking team, so I'm hoping that maybe other players in the Sheffield team can get some points. Just hope. He, and he, he genuinely looked like he could have got a hat trick on Saturday. This mm. is the this is the this is the that thing is that the I problem. think would worry me as a as a non-owner. Is he, he looked like he could have actually had more goals than yeah. just two. And I even saw it when uh, when I was up in Sheffield, how far forward he gets and how mm. many assists he can get. He's a great asset to have. I mean, like, even if he was playing in midfield. 
midfield, I think he's still probably a good asset yeah. to have. Um, yeah, I agree. The fact that he gets those extra points from defence is just great. But yeah, just kind of out my reach with what I've got planned with my team at the moment. Sometimes that happens, you just got to kind of accept it and move a different way. But yeah, I, it's regrets that I haven't wildcarded earlier because obviously I didn't get him in at the start of the season because all that noise around him not going to be playing every game from the fans which didn't turn out to be true it was just completely completely ruined my season we wouldn't think mm. that I mean like it was lucky that Sionyu got what he got and uh, 14 points because I made the decision to bring in Sionyu instead of Lundstrom and maybe I should have brought in Lundstrom but I'm hoping that over the course of the next five to six weeks that Sionyu is actually going to get more points than him so mm. hoping that's going to work out in the long run but we'll see Interesting, Iceman. Need I remind you of the uh, the Leicester title-winning season when we had this conversation about Riyad Mahrez every week? Yeah, and now we're going to have a, about Jamie Vardy as well because I'm probably not going to have him either. Iceman hates Leicester. Um, okay, no, interesting discussion there, chaps, to get us started. Just to put my uh, two penneth worth in, I got 62 points this game week, but I took a minus four. So I was five above the average, but I still got a red arrow. So as averages go, that sucks, but there we go anyway. My, I basically had a defensive masterclass of Sionyu, Dunk and Lundstrom, and then flops everywhere, apart from Sergio Aguero, who I decided not to captain for the first time in a few weeks, and he goes and scores. But... <laughs> OFPL, you are beautiful. So mm. that is our woes for the week. Um, before we get into the headlines, though, new Patreons this week. Um, <laughs> we've got no one to report, but we do want to very much thank our ongoing pledges. So thank you for supporting the podcast, Vince Poyle, and of course our guests tonight, Ronnie Romfrosk, are continuing to pledge at the highest level. So incredibly generous and great support to the podcast enables us to churn out better prizes and all sorts of goodies for our listeners so thank you very much for that and thank you ronnie for continuing to do so yeah thank you ronnie thank you it's uh, been a pleasure so far and uh, it will be ongoing we can promise you that <laughs> oh yes <laughs> So let's get back to the uh, the FPL headlines, chaps. So, Ronnie, actually, th- this I'm going to come to you first on. This was your your headline. Is the eye test needed anymore? Yeah, I feel like with all the stats and uh, Twitter accounts and Reddits and blogs and Slacks you have, or Slack you have out there giving you the information you really need, I don't know if you need the eye test as much as before. At least I haven't. I think I've watched three games this season so far, and I still feel I don't get uh, little information on the games and uh, how people are doing. Yeah, someone uh, who actually won FPL, Simon March, I think went most of the season not actually watching many games. So it obviously is possible, but I just think you need to learn about certain things, and it does help through the eye test just seeing the little things which you're not going to notice through the stats like you know some people get majorly high xg through you know rashford's had high xg because he's had so many penalties etc and if you're watching the games you'll see that you know maybe he doesn't deserve that but 
maybe Rashford's a poor example because maybe he does, but there are <laughs> certain things which the stats don't tell you and what I, I can understand maybe it's announced on Twitter and it's announced through stacks, uh, Slack and, and things like that, but I just think you want to know for yourself when you're watching a player how good they are, how how well they're doing. For example, take Aubameyang, for example. I've watched him in person live and I just could see that he just wasn't really going to get many points and he's not worth that 11 mil, which I paid for him. Obviously, I've still got him in my team and he did score last week, but uh, <laughs> it's just not really worth it uh, going forward and I just almost think that he should be removed and I don't think you, you would see that you know, obviously he's been scoring so maybe people would keep him because of that but yeah, there are certain things which I do think you can tell from uh, the eye test I mean FPL General literally lives by it and he's doing pretty well this season and he normally does do pretty well he's got a great record so it does prove it does work yeah I think I think um, it, it comes down to I mean living in New Zealand all the games or a lot of the games are sort of played through the middle of the night so having three a young family i don't really get to watch that many games so i think you can certainly get by um without it but it's it's kind of i think you know you just touched on it james the 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 fact that you've um i've got the ability to to actually sit down and watch them it tells you things that you wouldn't necessarily get if you were just relying on the stats and i think that's really important because like positional play for example if you're wanting to like you're eyeing up a certain defender or a, a midfielder you want to see where they're actually standing so they might have terrible stats but you actually watch a game and see that their positional play shows that they're actually playing quite far forward or even if they're not playing particularly forward but they have those odd runs into the box you start to get an idea that you might want to keep an eye on them and it, it just builds that picture up for you rather than making that decision um, but I think the other factor of it is, yeah, maybe you don't need to watch it for, you know, from a, you know, your FPL point of view, but but it's about enjoyment as well. And I think I enjoy watching games with an FPL lens on the game, if that makes sense. So even if you've, there's part of me like, we'll come to transfers later on, but there's part of me this this week that doesn't want to sell Pookie because that's the Friday night game and I want to have a bit of action in that Friday night game and I think that that as well for me is is the sort of the joy of the eye test is having those FPL links to it and it's all sort of part of it like I wouldn't want to play the game purely for the sake of playing the game I want to play the game to be able to watch games to see how many FPL points I could get by you know working out what that's going to have and I think the eye test is a sort of a contributing factor to you know the, the enjoyment of the game if that makes sense. Yeah, I think um, my, my point sort of view on the eye test, I still think you can learn a lot just from watching players. I know me and the Iceman watched the Sheffield United goals over the weekend. And uh, actually, I think you weren't too impressed by the finish of Lundstrom, were you, Iceman, even though he got a couple? It was just kind of a, an easy, obvious guy who's in the right place at the right time type of thing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I, I just but think, yeah. Isn't that, the nature of, isn't that the nature of what you want? You know, he was, the reason he got those easy goals is he was the player getting into those positions. And we just said yeah. before we came on air that, you know, he could have conceivably had three um, because he is making those gut-busting runs into the back post. Mm. And all right, maybe you could argue it was it was poor defending from Burnley yeah. that there was no one tracking back with him and he was unmarked. But see, uh, from watching that game, I, I was sat there going, I want that player because he's busting a gut to get in there and be the only person in you know in that position. There was no Sheffield United players trying to do it. So, you know, it, 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 for me, it sings well for the future if he's doing that. Yeah, no, great points. Yeah, I think, I mean, that that's one example. I guess it's just sometimes, I suppose, um, yeah, players scoring goals, if they're, I'm trying to say it, I suppose 
the players that are scoring or they've scored quite well in the week, it's easy to jump on that. But if you actually watch the game and you see the goal wasn't that great or mm. um, you know maybe there was an error, sometimes that can give you a bit more context to the stats. So whilst I sure. agree, absolutely, he's, um, you know, Lundstrom maybe not be a great example of that. But I think sometimes that the seeing it gives you the context, the data that we're getting through through as well. But can he go no, I, th- I think I think that's a great point, Bully. I think you do. You know, you can look at a, like often a a, um, a bandwagon player. You'll look at them; they'll, they've scored two or three goals, and straight away people that haven't watched the game are, are jumping all over them because they've scored two or three goals. Yeah. But you know, maybe one's a you know a, a, an easy tap in that anyone scored, and he just happens to be there. Another one is a fluke that deflected off his arse, and you yeah. know the other one is is you know it, it bounced off the back of his head. You know, without the context of watching the game, and those were the only three chances he had. You, you've, I, I agree with you. You can build a picture by seeing it as well, and, and that goes both ways. You know, whether you want yeah. a player or actually, you maybe want to just hold fire and see if that was a bit of a lucky result. Yeah, so I think it, it can be it can be a mixture, but I think just like we said, the love of watching football is uh, is always going to draw me to the eye test. So yeah, <laughs> interesting discussion, chaps. Okay, so second headline: Why are we spending money on premiums, Ronnie? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, my kind of point this season was to have a few premiums that you could kind of get away with so i had uh sterling as the only one from game week three i think and after that i've had kdb is he a premium he started at 9.5 if i'm not mistaken and i got him early so i i don't see the value as much in the premium players any this season as was as it was kind of foreseen that you should have uh big at the back and everything but we can see that all the mid-level or even cheap players are doing pretty well lundstrom is a prime example <laughs> yes yeah, a lot of a lot of podcasts and people are speaking about this on twitter etc is floating around that who needs the premiums and i just think that people are almost being blinded by what is happening obviously abraham's a great pick yeah, he's, he's up to 7.9 now. Lundstrom is a great pick, 4.8. Yeah, you had Pookie, who was doing well. Mount's done well. He's still a low price. But if you look at the, the top 10 uh, or the top 20, it's full of premiums. And it's where the consistency is at. That's why they're premiums to me. And it's it's just seeing all the people at the top. If you look who's top, obviously Vardy, you say he's a mid-premium. Then it's Marley at 12, De Bruyne, Guerrero's up there with Aubameyang, Sterling, Salah. They're all up there and they're all premiums for a reason. If you look down the list, the, you, know, you have to get to the lowest premium, which is the likes of Jesus. And I don't think anyone's going to pick him because of his game time. So <laughs> yeah. that's the problem with people look at who all these players are scoring well, the mid-price. And yes, collectively, if you're picking the right mid-price each week, then yeah, you'll be doing well. But you're know, picking all those right-price, mid-price players every week is difficult and the consistency is not always there. Lundstrom is up there and he is being consistent. Is he going to do that for the whole season and stay that high? I doubt it. For the likes of maybe Abraham, he's probably a rarity that you probably will see up there and continuously throughout the season. Otherwise, it will be the premiums that will uh, be in the top 20 um, point scorers towards the end. So I, I think people are getting blinded by these mid-price players doing well. And I think you've just got to see that, yes, the premiums are there for a reason and they're still up there and they're still consistent. I they're think one Oh, sorry, you, you go, Ron. No, they are consistent, but many of them don't get the playtime play you would expect from a premium. So, like Aguero, uh, 
yeah, I don't dare to touch it even. It's uh, too scary. <laughs> 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 Waiting for the uh, lineups to arrive. It's, uh, it's so many premium players that you feel like should play every week, but they don't. And uh, that's why I've gone for many of the mid-priced. Of course, I have uh, Sterling for now. But uh, that's the most expensive, and then it's De Bruyne and Vardy. So yeah. I think the other, the other the other point to just just make is if you think about so if you look, I'm just looking at defenders just as an example now, and I know it doesn't. My argument doesn't sing for all positions, but if you look that you've got yet yeah, Lundstrom at the top, who's uh, and Stevens, who's the sort of uh, another Sheffield United defender, but he's five million. But then you've got Pereira, Robertson, Alexander-Arnold and Chilwell. Now, the thing that for me stands out is, yeah, that those are, for all, from, from my point of view, they're all sort of premium price defenders, maybe, you know, Chilwell slightly, slightly under. But they've all had tough opening games to the start of the season. So those, those both Leicester and Liverpool have had relatively tough fixtures. Liverpool and Leicester have conceded a few goals, and yet they're still not... You know, there's still about 10, 15 points off the midfield and strikers after a tough opening where they've not performed as well as we thought they would. So if you actually assume that, and I think most people think that Liverpool will tighten up over, over the next few weeks, months, you know, as uh, maybe as Matip comes back in, I think that's been a bit of a loss for them. And they, they're a bit unlucky so. that they had Alisson out and then Matip out. And, and as soon as they start to come back in, they're going to start, I think, keeping clean sheets. And suddenly those, they suddenly look like they are worth that because if they start adding clean sheets to the attacking points that they're already providing, like Leicester approving, you know, they've suddenly kept a couple of clean sheets on top of like Chilwell's attacking returns and Pereira's attacking returns. And they suddenly look like really, really good options. So I get where the argument is that, you know, maybe we need to look at spreading our funds a little bit by selling a, um, selling a, 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 a premium player somewhere. And I'm, I'm okay with that. But I certainly wouldn't be filling my squad with with mid-priced with no premiums. But that's just my personal opinion on that. Okay, yeah, I think that's an interesting discussion on on premiums. There, as someone that still owns all of them, I'm starting to break and look at either trade cashing in on Salah or Aguero. But uh, again, just terrified of doing it because it'll be the week when they get three. It's, it's got to be Aguero. You get rid of surely. It is, yeah. Yeah, he is about for the big occasion, though, so I'm very tempted to keep him against Liverpool, actually. Yeah, yeah, interesting. That's an interesting one, though, because, I mean, you know, Salah, let's assume he... I mean, I know he's playing tonight, which is a, mm. which is a, an interesting decision, but then it, assuming he... We're not expecting a lot from Salah over the... against Liverpool... Uh, sorry, against City. Then he's got a two-week break. So if whatever this injury is, and I, th- I think even that's been played down, I think this is this is clearly hampering him somewhat... Um, I actually think Salah starts to look like a really nice differential as, as Liverpool's fixtures improve, yeah. come sort of 13-14. And look, I, I don't envy that decision, Bully. I think that's a really tough one. Mm. Um, but I actually think that, you know, there's part of me that, like, I don't own Mane or Salah at the minute, and I, I will be getting one of them in when the fixtures change. But there's part of me that thinks, you know, as Salah drops and Mane rises, completely understandably, you know, the points recently reflect that Mane is doing better at a cheaper price. So I can see why people are going there. But there's part of me that's thinking, you know, if he can get over this injury, maybe he is the, the shrewd one to go to. You know, he's the one on penalties. The prices are virtually the same now. You know, I think we're talking 0.34 difference. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting debate, that one. I'm not sure what the answer is right now. Well, I think it's if you've got the opportunity to watch over the next two or three games, maybe yeah. we'll get a few more answers. Well, let's let's move it on uh, briefly just to uh, Darren Hanma's question. He's got, he's saying Mo Salah or no Salah. So he wants to know what you guys are doing. And yeah, let's kind of raise Salah now. I mean, like, he's not doing well at the moment. He's getting fluid drained from his ankle every week. He's not 
really hit double-digit returns since the Arsenal game, I think it was. But, you know, I wouldn't be scared to move him out. Obviously, a lot of people got burned last year when they moved him out, and they do have some good fixtures coming up. So there's a potential to, to actually keep him there. But what about you, uh, Ronnie? What's your what's your thoughts on Salah? Have you got him? Are you getting him? No, I don't have him, but I most likely will get him when the fixtures turn in uh, game week 14. That's the plan, at least yeah. for now. Uh, I got rid of uh, Mane in game week six and haven't had uh, Arsenal attacking assets since. I don't know if I've missed too much. Uh, a little bit, of course. You mean but, Liverpool uh, attacking assets? You yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Salah uh, is definitely a good asset from game week 14 as long as the injury situation gets a bit more clarity yeah i almost feel like i mean because my plan was to bring him in uh, game week 14 but i feel like we need to wait and see how he gets on with his injury he is playing tonight he is starting they are currently winning i believe but it's just kind of see how it goes. He's still getting the shots away. He's always going to want to score. And you, I think he's more of a goal scorer than most mids. And you kind of think that he's going to be the same amount of points that he has scored in the last two seasons. It's just a bit difficult at the moment with this injury going on. It is a bit of a worry if you do have him. Which is kind of why I might not be going for him. And I might be going for the likes of Manny instead. Or both. Or both. If <laughs> you're really gambling. Both could be very, very tempting. Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I think I'm more inclined to keep Salah than Aguero um, at the moment. So let's uh, let's move on to our next headline, which is quite linked to that, actually. What to do about Paul and City players um, as the fixtures get tougher for City and easier for Paul? So, Alex, do you want to speak about, a bit about this? Yeah, I've just seen a lot of chat around, uh, around Slack channels and around um, Twitter, um, just around, you know, Sterling... I think we were all a little bit disappointed with the outcome versus Southampton. He seems to be playing further out wide and hugging the touchline. And, you know, he's certainly not performing. People are struggling with, you know, captains this season. And he's a major part of that. Also, KDB seems to have been playing a little bit deeper these last couple of weeks. Um, so, and obviously, you know, as, as we've just touched on with Bully and his team, you know, Aguero is looking, looking a difficult hold as well. You know, he did score last week, but that's... You're just not really sure whether he's going to be playing or Jesus is going to play or they're both going to play or neither are going to play. So do we want to be considering, um, and, and now that we get to the point where their fixtures start to toughen up, and I think the key thing for me, just touching on City first, is um, looking at their fixtures. So if we if we look forward from now, so they've got Liverpool away, Chelsea home, Newcastle away, Burnley away, Man United home, Arsenal away, Leicester home, Wolves away, and then sort of game week, uh, 20, they're sort of Sheffield United home, Everton home, Aston Villa away, Crystal Palace home. So it starts to turn nice from 20 onwards. But I can quite easily see myself not captaining a City player from um, game week 12 right through to game week 19. So if that's the case, and I personally I've currently got um, Sterling, De Bruyne and David Silva um, in my team. So I don't want to be carrying three attacking players that I'm definitely not captaining when they're taking up such a large part of my budget. So one of them needs moving on at least, maybe two. Um, so then it's a case of do we want to be putting them back into Liverpool defend, uh, sorry, Liverpool midfielders? And, and if that's the case, which one are we going for, which we've just touched on? Um, now, my thinking is I'm probably going to hold all three because I actually quite like the value in David Silva. So I'm sort of thinking maybe I just actually hold David Silva, assuming his injury, uh, bench him this week, assuming he uh, gets fit again after, over the international break after that. 
and then just hold him through the tough fixtures because I think hopefully he can just carry on ticking over. I quite like the Chelsea home game. I actually think that uh, Sterling and De Bruyne and sort of any City attackers could actually do quite well. So my logic is, I think, lining up with what Iceman was saying before, which is giving Liverpool, uh, sorry, City a couple of weeks, uh, sort of 12 and 13, and then seeing how the land lies and maybe moving Sterling to either Salah or Mane. But I just kind of want to hear what everyone else is thinking. Um, I, you know, the, it's because conversely, Liverpool's fixtures suddenly turn for the favour, in favour. And I can see myself from 14 onwards where they've got Brighton home, Everton home, Bournemouth away, Watford home, um, before they've got obviously the fixture in 18 where they don't have a fixture. I can actually see myself captaining Mane or Salah, whichever one I have, for about four or five weeks in a row. But of course, you know, Vardy's suddenly appeared. So we're really struggling to fit a Sterling, KDB, Mane and or Salah and a Vardy into our team and get the balance elsewhere. I've got a friend who's done it. And yeah, they've actually been on the right players at the right time. And they've, they've playing 3-5-2, got value tied up and have managed to pull it off. But I've had a look and there's no way I can get all those players in. So then for me, someone has to go, probably Sterling. Um, but I'd love to hear what you guys are thinking of doing because it's a it's quite a tricky decision. Yeah, a, a lot of people are looking at this city and their fixtures coming up. And I did kind of shout it last week that they do look quite tough fixtures. But I've taken another look and I'm looking at it as, well, City play well against nearly any team almost. And when they, uh, like Bully has kind of said, when they're playing big teams, Aguero seems to step up to the mark. And remember when you could play Aguero against anyone. I still think it's the same thing with the City players. And I do think that Sterling is probably going to get most of the games. And if you look at the next game, yep, it's hard. It's against Liverpool. That is probably their only tough game up until game week 18 when they play Leicester at home. So they've got Chelsea at home, which... A bad defence at times can be very leaky. Newcastle, they've conceded goals this season. Burnley doesn't seem to be on a good run this season. United, bit of a, a calamity at the moment. Arsenal, same thing. So they're not particularly terrible fixtures. And City being who they are, they are an awesome team. They can play against anyone. Effectively, I could probably see myself captaining him against Newcastle, Burnley, even the likes of Man United and Arsenal. I would put him in the captain category. So I don't think that it is a rush to get rid of these players. I'm not saying that you know, if you've got other things you want to do in your team that it could be better. Maybe you want to move staring out for a Liverpool asset, then yeah, I can see your point and why you would want to do that because they've got good fixtures and you probably have more confidence in captaining against those lesser teams. But if you're able to hold Sterling, which I think I am able to because I do have kind of a Bamiang as like my cash cow to bring in a Liverpool player, I think sticking with him can be good as well. You know, he's always going to have the potential to get double-digit hauls this season, Sterling, and even the likes of De Bruyne. Um, and I know you mentioned, which again has been mentioned before, that De Bruyne is, seems to be playing a little bit deeper. Maybe that's an eye test thing. Looking at the stats, he's actually getting more penalty area touches in his last four on average than he did within his first six. Um, he's not getting as many shots off. He's not getting as many chances created, but he is still up there and he's still doing well. It just doesn't seem to be happening for him at the moment. Uh, I think that his first six, he was just kind of in a zone or something. And you know, whether or not that's going to continue, I'm not sure. But I do think he, he could come back because he was injured and I do think it could come back to high scores for De Bruyne. So I wouldn't look at him and say, oh, maybe I can move him out because he's playing a little bit deeper. I wouldn't see that as, uh, as an option. So just, just sorry, just before we go to everyone else, I don't want to dominate this chat, but just a quick question back for you, Iceman. 
So you don't have Vardy and you're not then planning to get him or you can get all these players in together into your team, can you? Because I think this is the dilemma a lot of people are having now, isn't it? That suddenly we've got Vardy who's in that awkward price bracket that you can't quite, he's not, you know, six or seven million. So you can't grab him and hold all these premiums as well. You've got to sort of make a sacrifice somewhere unless you're going really cheap at the back. So then it's a case of, because I, I see Vardy as a viable captain option when I'm not captaining the, the Liverpool players. So therefore there's actually quite a nice rotation between Vardy and Mane or Salah. So then again, it sort of points me away from it. So I'm just kind of interested if you're not going then to Vardy. Because again, for me, it's his fixture run. That's what makes Vardy really appealing. You know, Liverpool and Leicester's next fixtures are awesome, just as cities. I, I get what you're saying, that they still are nice, but they're actually starting to, you know, just turn slightly for the worst. So what's your thinking there? I can actually bring in Vardy as well. That's the key. Oof. Uh, Oof. So no, I'm, it, I'm impressed there. It, yeah, yeah, you're on it, it would be a Sterling, Vardy, De Bruyne and a Liverpool asset as well. But whether or not I'm going to still do that, there are question marks which I do have around Vardy in terms of is it going to be sustainable in terms of he's got 45% goal conversion. So that doesn't look sustainable for the rest of the season at the moment. Yeah, He has blanked. This season already against Liverpool, Tottenham, Man United, Chelsea and Wolves. All tough fixtures. And yes, he has got uh, good fixtures come up. But he didn't have anything in the uh, Palace game. But it is Vardy and he just does seem to score. And he is a great asset. I'm never saying that he's not a great asset at all. But there might be part of me which might not get him. Obviously, it might be uh, the worst decision of my life. But... In the position that I'm kind of in, if I believe that he's not going to score as much as someone else, then I won't bring him in. But I kind of do feel like he, he is a great asset to have and I do want him, yeah. Yeah, nice. I think uh, Vardy is the one for me as well, which I'm really missing and he will likely come in sooner rather than later. Um, I think that we've answered Bjarni Christofsson's question there about playing all Liverpool and Man City assets. I'm playing all of my assets other than Van Dijk at the moment, but I think I might play him as well. I think I'm just going to play them all. They're all, potentially, you can get anything from this game because it could be a nil-nil, it could be a high-scoring game. We don't know what's going to happen. Liverpool could come out and just um, you know nullify the Man City or Man City might come out and attack too much so Liverpool could score. So I think anything could happen in this game. So they're all good players and all potential to score high. So I'm playing them all I think. Okay nice ice man let's get on to our next headline is it okay to have three players from multiple teams? A few questions around this board has asked I'd love your thoughts on the triple up. Uh, FPL Classico can we trust teams apart from Liverpool, Man City, Leicester and Chelsea for the triple up and uh, FPL Oakwell should we just concentrate on four sides so Alex give us some uh, give us some context to this headline and what you're thinking here. Yeah I, I mean I've always been I've always historically you know playing the game for a while and I've always historically tried to avoid going with triple players except for say you know something like a, a, a Robbo, TAA, Salah or Mane triple up I, I think that's totally viable because they've all got attacking returns um, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm sort of was looking around a load of my mini leagues and, and I'm seeing people I, I contribute to a fancy football geek um, to write a few articles and one of the contributors there was looking at his team and he's got triple Liverpool, triple Leicester and triple Chelsea, which I think is, is quite feasible because of the price of the Chelsea assets and the Leicester assets. And, and of course, we've just touched on Liverpool being a totally viable as well. And then, of course, you've probably got two City players in there as well. So all of a sudden, your eggs are in you know, quite a small amount of baskets. Now, I, I don't know that that's a, a bad thing. Um, I'm just curious to see what you guys think about it because for me I've always rather sort of spread the risk and have that ability to rotate because as soon as you know Leicester or Chelsea 
come up against a tough fixture, all of a sudden you've got three players from that team. Now, arguably, you could say that they, Leicester and Chelsea are starting to fall into that same bracket as Liverpool and Man City, where you just you just play them regardless of the fixture. I mean, out of nowhere, Soinchu, who doesn't score goals, according to everyone, pops up, scores a goal. And yeah, it, it probably was a, a fluke, because all the corners seem to have been aimed at... Um, aimed at, um, oh, what's his name? The other centre-back. Evans. Evans, thank you. And he just, for, for, for whatever reason, Palace didn't pick Sorrentio up. But again, you know, I benched him assuming that it was a maximum of six points that I was going to miss out on, where I was banking on the fact that Dinier was going to get some attacking returns, which, you know, did transpire. But of course, Sorrentio proved me wrong there. So I'm actually now looking, well, should I just be playing Sorrentio all the time? And then, even though they're playing a, a relatively attacking team this week, I'm sort of thinking, well, I just need to put Soyuncu in there, and it's the same with Chelsea. Maybe their defence is not, and I, and I believe they're actually losing four-one tonight at home. So again, they're sort of the defence is looking a little bit frail. Um, so so maybe Tamori is becoming less of an option. Alonso was dropped, so maybe we we are slightly edging away from going three there. And of course, the whole issue with Hudson Odoi as now seems to be in this rotation with Pulisic. So do we do we want to avoid going the, the triple attack or having one of their defenders? And maybe we just stick with the the Mount Abraham double up which looks quite nice but I'm just curious on what people think you know should we be spreading the risk you know Jimenez is starting to look like a, a really nice option you know he's starting to find a bit of form fixtures are coming up down in price to 7.2 and then Son his appeal's been overturned so now does Son become an option should we should we be going back there when he moved centrally uh, against Everton before he got red carded he actually looks like a, a another nice option so are we all sort of you know following the 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 pack and going to these the, you know the, the 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 clearly obvious Leicester and Chelsea players whereas we should actually be maybe stepping and looking at spreading and looking at Spurs or maybe a Rashford Martial for example with their nice fixtures coming up so yeah just like to hear what your points are on that yeah I actually got triple up on both Chelsea and Leicester uh, and double uh, City so I'm in the pack <laughs> per se and I feel kind of good about it it's cheap Leicester Chelsea triple up with good returns so far the latest uh, mount possible injury uh, that might change <laughs> a little bit I'm a bit afraid with tripling up on two teams uh, definitely tripling up on Leicester is good but uh, maybe two team triple up is too much especially with mount possibly out forcing me I think for the likes of uh, triple ups, I don't think you should you should base it on whether or not those having a triple up is going to be that scary. I think if if you're on, you know, going the likes of triple up on Leicester at the moment could be really fruitful. They're, you know, Tillman's doing well, Madison doing well, Vardy also doing well. It's not to say that one of them's not going to do it. I suppose if they have an off day at the office, then yeah, you're not going to get points from free assets there, but. They are doing really well at the moment, so they're individually they are good players to have. So why not as a three? I wouldn't be put off as much. I know we are as a community. We we do look at it and think, oh, I don't want three of Leicester or I don't want two of Leicester. But if you think that those players are going to score well, I don't think that should put you off. I know sometimes it does, but I just don't think it should. I mean, the likes of Liverpool, if they're going to start on a good run of fixtures now, so why not you know, triple up on them? 
Chelsea, they seem to be good going forward. The only problem is with Chelsea, I mean, I know we've just heard about the Mount injury, so that may sway us on, on some things, but there's a lot of rotation in that midfield in terms of William Pulisic and uh, Hudson-Odoi, so you don't know who else is going to start. Maybe it's going to be Barkley as well. Um, <laughs> but just going for the assets that you think are going to score well, I wouldn't be too worried about whether or not there's a, there's a triple up on it. You're not going to triple up on City at the moment because you think they've got bad fixtures maybe, and that's maybe an acceptable way to go you know, just go on the players that you feel and don't be too conscious about uh, whether or not you're going too deep on a, on a team no and that's why I've done it so far It's uh, I think it's, it's safe to do it as long as you have decent play, individual players like Tillemans Vardy and Sunshu for me now and Leicester I'm not scared to I will run them most of the next five, six uh, fixtures anyway. So, but depends on Mount. That's a bit scary. And I will offload the uh, City players one by one, except De Bruyne. He will stay due to price rises, and I don't can't afford to have him in yeah. again. Yeah. Fair. Mm. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move to a, a personal question on all of our minds: the much beloved Burnley defence. What's happened to it? Yeah, see, this is obviously something which is affecting a lot of managers at the moment in terms of a lot of people have gone Pope route. They've only got the two clean sheets in uh, 10 weeks so far. So Pope is actually 11th out of keepers uh, in total points scored. So, I mean, is it time to move on? I mean, I, I, I looked at this one. I thought I'd do a bit of analysis on it. I'm not actually sure I've come out with anything conclusive out of it. So <laughs> this is almost a pointless bit of analysis, which I've done. But I did a comparison on the first five games when Pope got 21 saves and he conceded seven goals. And in the last six game weeks where he got 12 saves and he he conceded 11 goals. So the comparison as a team for Burnley on average, they have conceded fewer shots, but more in the box and less outside of the box. So that's just showing for the saves that uh, Pope got in the first five games in comparison to the six. In the first five, they actually got from outside the box 6.4 on average, but in the last six, they've actually got 5.8, so yeah, it's a bit less from outside the box. That's probably why he's not receiving as many saves. But now, Burnley have always been renowned for allowing shots from outside the box where the keeper would just make more saves. But in the last six, yeah, have they changed their ways? I don't think they have. I think this is just football. We've just got to look at it. You know, it can be the way things go sometimes. I know a lot of people are looking at the Burnley defence and how Lundstrom has scored that goal and, you know, they're not doing as well as they have. I just think if you look at it on average, I mean, we've got a small amount at the moment, but if you look at it on average compared to last season where they're in Europa League, you know, last season it shows that they're actually doing better for XG conceded this season, attempts conceded, attempts conceded from outside the box, etc. And in 2017, they're actually doing well again this season. So effectively, I've not really found out anything other than I think that all of Burnley's defence is still viable and things could change. I think it's just been the fixtures, maybe how things have gone for them. I do think they are capable of doing it. I mean, like Burnley's clean sheets came at home, all two of them, and in the next three, they play two of them at home. So for that, I feel like I'm, I'm going to keep Pope. Yeah, I'm one of the same. I got Pope as well, and I'm keeping him. Uh, he's only 12 points behind the top scoring keeper anyway. So it's not too bad. And it's uh, I selected Pope to be a season keeper and 
sticking to it for now. I have faith in Burnley, even though they have been playing a bit worse lately. Yeah, I do think they, they can put it back round, is what I'm saying. I mean, like, sometimes it does happen in football where you just go on bad runs, and I do think they're capable of putting it back round. Their stats haven't changed massively, is what I'm saying as well. Yeah, I think I think Ronnie made a good point there that um, if you actually think they're only 12 points off the, the top of it, and those those were all the top three keepers are all 4.5 keepers, so you're going to assume being playing for the teams they are they're probably going to drop a couple of clean sheets go back get a couple of two and one pointers and then and if if pope gets a couple of clean sheets in those same weeks all of a sudden it's it's um they're on they're on exactly the same points and we're not even having this discussion anymore so for me it's something i think if i had a wild card i might be looking at things a bit differently but right now with my wild card long gone i'm i'm happy just to stick with pope especially with his nice fixtures coming up okay yeah nice uh, nice discussion there about burnley chat Thanks for that question, Marvin, on Slack and Jay Roz, your question about keepers as well. So let's get on to our more general questions, chaps. We've got quite a lot of pod here. Let's fire through. Sean on Twitter has asked, should we start Lundstrom no matter what the fixture is? Uh, I am now, I think. Yeah, it's, it's actually becoming a bit of a headache because I've got Soyuncu that I kind of want to start as well. Uh, alongside Trent Alexander-Arnold and I'm looking at getting Robertson back in as well so I don't know maybe we're moving back to or I'm personally looking at moving back to have playing four at the back all, all the time because I just sort of think Lundstrom is playing in that position that even if they concede although United look pretty uh, pretty good defensively anyway um, he's always got the chance of an attacking return so I think yeah we are maybe I took a bit of convincing but I'm actually starting moving to the point now where I think yeah I probably will just just leave him started and, uh, you know, starting, except that you're going to get a couple of one and two pointers in there and hope that the few clean sheets, goals, assists will make up for that. Obviously, I haven't got him, so <laughs> not the I'm case. starting it every week from now on. I, I don't want to miss out. I didn't miss out this time, luckily. He's playing so much further ahead than he should, <laughs> according to the game. So, yeah, he will most likely be in my team for a long, long time. I got him from game week one as well, so it's a good choice. Right. Yeah, he's staying in my team no matter what at the moment. Um, the next question is about Chelsea, who, by the way, are now 4-4 with Ajax, having come Whoa. back from 4-1 down. Ajax had two men sent, sent off and uh, Chelsea have capitalised, so a great game at Stamford Bridge. Uh, but the question from Jeremiah, uh, time to drop or bench to Maury? I think the difficult thing for me is that it's just what just what we mentioned with the last question is it's there are so many options that I would want to be playing. Chelsea just as you know proved by this Ajax performance. I mean Ajax are a very good attacking team. Let's not take anything away, but you know they've conceded four goals at home and and they just every even against Watford I was sat there going they look comfortable here and then all of a sudden there was just a couple of chances where I'm like they just they just really struggle not to give up one one or two really good opportunities to an opposition every game regardless of who it is. So bearing in mind that, you know, you've got the likes of Lundstrom, except Iceman, that you're probably going to be wanting to start every week. And, you know, with, with the fixtures turning, people are talking of going back to Robbo, TA, double up. And you've got your Leicester players with nice fixtures coming up. It's suddenly becoming quite difficult. And, and not to mention Rico, you know, Rico also should be in the conversation. They've got three clean sheets back to back. Now, I haven't checked the stats on Bournemouth, so I don't know if that's just a complete fluke or they, they actually deserve some credit for that. But all of a sudden, it becomes harder and harder to find a place in that defence, unless you're you're sort of going back to a five at the back, so yeah, if I had him, I'd I'd be battling to sort of keep him in there. But then, 
you can't really argue for dropping him. That's a really tough call. I, I don't know the answer, but personally, yeah, I would be considering it, I think. Yeah, I'm considering moving him out or at least benching him uh, when you have so many good options. Or five at the back, but I don't want to play five at the back at this time. So, yeah, for me, it's a benching option. It is difficult with that Chelsea team. You know that they could do well at some points, but you know, conceding four against Ajax tonight just and, shows... And really well, no. they've oh. just gone ahead. Oh, they've just gone ahead? Wow. That's been a with his second at his 5-4. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> but um, they're still not conceding majorly loads of amounts of shots either. Like they are in the their fourth bottom for shots conceded. Just their Man City, you know, rock bottom on 76 for the last four game weeks. So, yeah, I it did kind of prove that at some point during the season that they have been doing well for attempts conceded etc but it looks like it's like the big chances which they're conceding which are more than even the likes of Arsenal at the moment in the last four which is again a little bit of a shock but yeah you just you're not safe with that Chelsea team defense at the moment they haven't got Rudiger back they've literally just got Kante back so maybe that'll make a difference he hasn't started tonight but Maybe that will make a difference to their team as well. So there would be part of me that would want to keep him just because I'm assuming there'll be other fires somewhere else in your team. So not necessarily something which I'll be desperate to move out. But if you've got nothing else to do and you don't have the likes of Lundstrom, then yeah, I, I can see why you would. Iceman, I take it all back. Chelsea have had their fifth goal ruled out oh. because of VAR. Oh dear. Okay, Bully has had to leave because he's having connection problems again, so I'm just going to take over briefly. So we've had a question here from an entity abroad from our Slack. It's just, but is it madness to go without any attacking players from Leicester over the next six or seven game weeks? Now, it is something which I am actually considering myself. I don't think it's complete madness, but it's probably not the best way to go. What are your thoughts, guys? I think you should have at least one Leicester attacking asset. I have uh, Vardy and Tillemans, so... Yeah, they're good fixtures, and it's hard to kind of turn down. There is part of me. I mean, like there was in the Palace game, throughout the whole game, he almost didn't get a goal, and then it was just the last few minutes that he got that goal, so it made it worth it, and he does seem to be on a really good run at the moment. Who would have believed that Rebecca Vardy's little spat she had with Rooney's <laughs> Colleen would actually make him play a lot better and just score loads of points? Who would have thought it? But... um. Yeah, what about you, Alex? Um, I don't think it's madness at all. I um, I personally wouldn't do it. Um, I, I think that it's just the the, the 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 reason that I would do it is that you've got even if you decide like you were just saying but, uh, earlier. I mean, for me, I think Vardy is 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 a great option. I um, I think I can I get the stats argument. I get the fact people say he always breaks stats. Just put that aside and look at the fact that Leicester are a team in form playing with a striker who's incredibly confident and has got a brilliant run of fixtures. So even if he's outperforming his stats, you're going to say that with the fixtures he's got now, maybe he gets a glut of goals now and and then he dries up a little bit as the fixtures turn. Maybe he does dry up now. But for me, it's just not worth... Why would you risk the fact that all of a sudden his goals are going to dry up? I, I know what you're saying. You know, I know the Palace game, he did nothing until the 88th minute and then gets a tap in. But that's the nature of the player he is. He, he doesn't go and have lots and lots of shots and you know get lots of chances You know against Southampton. I brought him in last week after the Southampton game. But Southampton game, you know, 6-0 up. I think it was 6-0, 5 or 6-0 up. He, he had done absolutely nothing. And you sat there going, 
I don't know how we've dodged a bullet here as non-owners. You know, this is this is amazing. You know, you look at six nil and you would be assuming, and then boom, all of a sudden he's got three goals and an assist out of the last one. That that's just how Vardy plays. Um, and, and I totally get people that are, are saying, you know, I wouldn't go there. I, I'm not going to argue with you. But for me, like watching those games and just think, looking at those fixtures and looking at the way that Leicester are playing, looking at the way that the managers has got Vardy playing and the, the confidence he has, it's just, it's just for me, it's a, it's a, I, I'm getting him in or I would get him in regardless. But I have seen people looking at going without Vardy, but maybe going with two City midfielders. Because I think if you're going to go without Vardy, going with Tillemans or Madison or both... Is a, is a nice alternative route. I think Tillemans is certainly a good option at his price. I really like him and I think I'd be quite happy to to bring him in and, and have that 0.8 savings. The thing that I like about Madison, and, I, and I, I, I can see arguments for going Tillemans and I can see arguments for going Madison, I think Madison's set-piece delivery is absolutely outstanding. His corner delivery, free kicks, that free kick he took, about, took against Southampton, you kind of knew he was scoring that before he'd taken it. And I just sort of think that's that that's the mark of a really good player that that you know that has that dead ball ability. So yeah, for for me, I, I don't think it's madness. You know, you play your own game, go with what you like. But they're just with the fixtures coming up and the prices that they're at, you've sort of got options all over the place. And even if you decide you don't want a midfielder or a, or a striker, you've got Pereira or Chilwell who are looking particularly attacking in defence as well. So maybe you just do something completely maverick and go with. Um, Chilwell and Pereira uh, at the back line that you start every week and just have no attacking players, you know. So there are, there are just real options all over the place. Yeah, I, I don't know why you wouldn't go with it unless you just really can't get there. But I, I, yeah, you play your own game and if that's to go without, then fair enough. Yeah, you're making me really want to bring in more Leicester players. <laughs> just looking at my team now thinking, oh, well, if Mount's injured, I can get Tillemans uh-huh. straight in there. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, I mean, like, they have got good fixtures. These are good fixtures for Leicester now. Arsenal at home, Arsenal in a bit of disarray, you know, conceding 25 goals against, uh, 25 goals, 25 shots against Wolves. <laughs> so that's not good. And then they've got Brighton away, maybe a trickier game. Everton at home, again at home. So probably a good game. Everton not lighting up the sky at the moment. Watford at home, obviously bottom of the league. Villa conceding the most shots. Norwich, don't seem to have a defence. So there is some good fixtures for them and probably now is the time to bring them in. And yeah, fully agree with everything you say there and it does make me want to bring them in now. So let's move on to Alan Duffin's question from Slack. He's just saying, Madison or Tielemans, which one would you choose? He's saying the points are very similar. Is it worth saving 0.8 over the next five, six game weeks to spend elsewhere? Just give a quick answer for that. Which one would you go out of the two if you just had to had to choose, Alex? Um, if money was no object, I'd go Madison. But I think Tillemans at zero point eight less, if if you can use that, is is, a, is an absolute fine alternative. So which one would you go? Uh, so it just it, it depends on your format. Like you think, if 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 money wasn't a problem, I'd be Madison. And uh, uh, Ronnie. Yeah, I'm going Tillemans this week. So, and that's be- yeah because of the 0.8 savings, so I can spend them elsewhere. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so we've got quite a long pod here, so we're just going to finish up the questions with some quick ones. So we've got FPL Kiwi Nick is but Robo or Jimenez? He's obviously got the choice between the two. Obviously at seven mil, which one would you go, Ronnie? <sighs> Well, I would maybe wait until uh, game week 14 with Robbo, but uh, Jimenez I would most definitely bring in now if I had 
the possibility to do it without the hits. Yeah, I mean, Wolves, again, have got some good fixtures, seem to be hitting form. And I'm not sure if the Europa League is affecting them as much as we think. If you look at the last four game weeks for Jimenez, he scored 10 against Man City, uh, 10 points, that is, seven points against Southampton, two against Newcastle, and then you got the nine against Arsenal. So maybe he's hitting form at the right time, and it's time to bring him in with their fixtures coming up. What are your thoughts, um, Alex? Yeah, I think Ronnie just nailed it perfectly. I've um, got that exact, could have that exact same decision this week. Um, I'm, I'm going to bring Robertson in probably in a in a in a few weeks, um, but I'm very very tempted to bring Jimenez in this week. So yeah, Robertson definitely won't be coming in this week, but. Um, Jimenez may well be coming in for me this week. Yeah, let's just quickly go over their fixtures. For also we've got uh, Villa at home, Bournemouth away, Sheffield United at home, West Ham at home, and Brighton away. So there are goals in uh, all of those really for Jimenez, and would be a good buy to bring in this week. Will are you back yet? Yeah, he's still gone. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh yep. Okay, back everybody. Uh, apologies for the connection problems there as usual, but I'm here in time to take us out to the Ice Man's piss. Thanks very much. Welcoming back to the Iceman for his usual break. Thank you. Uh, and let's get into some chats about our partnerships. So first of all, uh, Mikel Tokvam's algorithm. Last week it said, this is for the Iceman's team. The best single transfer moves were Wilson to Puki, Orba to Puki, or Mount to Martial. Double transfer alternative was Orba to Puki or Rashford and Campwell to Martial. Did you go for any of those, Iceman? Uh, no, I did. I brought in Marshall for Campwell. Didn't quite pay off, but um, yeah, none of those moves would have actually helped me in the end. <laughs> but, I realised you brought Marshall, and you sneaky bee. I did, yeah, but he did nothing for me. No, How about this week then? So they're offering you up Mount to Madison, Sterling to Mane, or Orba to Vardy. God, they're quite sidewaysy. They feel. Um, I mean, a lot of people are looking at the Orba to Vardy, but. If Mount is injured, I think I'll be doing the Mount to Telemans because I can only afford Telemans. But I think I would go Telemans either way. Great player. Great player. Well, if you want to uh, take the thinking out of your uh, FPL, go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. Give yourself a hand with uh, Mikel Tokram's algorithm. We're also partnered with the Fancy Football Hub and have been given an exclusive sign-up offer. The code is SURGERY10, so if you go to fancyfootballhub.co.uk, you can sign in there for 10% discount. Some great stuff on that website. Check it out. Uh, we're also partnered up with FPL Doodles at FPL Doodles one on Twitter. Check out all the FPL headlines that we've gone through, imagined through the art of drawing. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, really is some fantastic stuff. Very, very natural artiste. So, uh, yeah, get yourself over there and have a look. Right. Transfers and captains. So, a couple of questions here. FPL Gavner has asked uh, on Twitter, is it wise to give the captaincy to a Man City or Liverpool player this weekend? And uh, Solomon Ronjon, uh, again on Twitter, has asked, like most managers, I've had an absolute Western supermare 
with captain picked this season. Should we just pick a captain and stick with him until Christmas? It's almost quite tempting just to pick one and just leave it, but that's not what the game's about, is it? You want to try and enjoy it. You want to get those captains which are going to score high. You want to try and pick your highest score each week and not be boring and captain the same player. So I disagree with that, Solomon, but whether the captain of Man City Liverpool player this weekend, I think it is viable myself. I mean, if you do think that either Salah or... Um, Sterling or one of those players are going to score big then just go for it they are capable of doing it even against yeah, each other so if you think that's going to happen you haven't got any other options in your team then yeah I do think it's viable I think I think it's the uncertainty for me uh, that's what will put me off it could be nil nil it could be four all so um, yeah. I would rather go with something that's a bit more of a you never you never know what's going to happen in this game but I would rather put my money or my captain where I'm, I'm feeling a bit more confident and yeah, no scoreline would surprise me there. So that, that that puts me off this week going for one of those players. Yeah, it's just too scary to captain any of those players this week, for me at least. Interesting thoughts there, chap. So let's see what you will be doing this week. So if we can go round, let's go to um, Ronnie first. What's your what's your trapped your trapped in trapped in? I've uh, I've, I've merged the section together. <laughs> Tra- what's your trapped in picks? Yeah. So who who are your uh, transfers going to be, Ronnie, this week, and who's your skipper? Well, for transfers for now, it's uh, David Silva to Tielemans to enable me to get Salah at a later point. But if Mount's injury is too bad, yeah, I have to see. But for now, it's David Silva to Tielemans, and my captain this week. Uh, is for now on Vardy. I think he will uh, get the good score against Arsenal, sadly enough. <laughs> yes, it is sad. <laughs> but it could very much happen. Yeah, he does like a goal against the Gunners, doesn't he, Vardy? Yeah, he's got 18 goals in 20 games he's played for um, Brendan Rodgers. Just, just fits him perfectly, doesn't he? That kind of combative centre-forward. Had it at Suarez at Liverpool, and now he's got it... Uh, in the shape of Jamie Vardy, getting the best out of him. Yeah, like you say, he always scores against Arsenal. He does. So, Alex, how about you? Um, So, plan move was Puki to Jimenez. The mount injury worries me slightly because my team is down to its bare bones. I've got David Silva, who I kind of wanted to hold on to. I've got Campwell, who has lost his place. I've got Bolly, who's out for ages. And if Mount's out as well, then it's starting to look a little bit, uh, a little bit, like I'm going to struggle to get 11 out. So I may still go Puki to Jimenez and I may do something like Bolly to uh, Rico just to free up some cash for further down the road and just bite the bullet on a minus four because, yeah, I, I kind of just want to get rid of Puki and Bolly needs to go. So if if Mount is okay, I will probably just, just hold fire and just do the, the Puki to Jimenez move. Captain for me is Vardy. Okay, Iceman. I was looking at actually holding this week. I was going to hold my rubbish team and stay on the average. But now that Mount is out, I may just move Mount to Tillemans just because I've got the money to do that. And my captain at the moment, I could be going absolutely mad, but I've had it on Marshall at the start of this week. But Man United, just you never know what you're going to get from them. I'm, I am really tempted by Marshall. But at the moment, it is on Abraham just because Chelsea can just score goals against anyone. And I do think that uh, they will get some against Palace at home. Nice. Yeah, I've um, I've got the same dilemma as you, Iceman, in terms of Mason Mount. I, I was considering getting rid of Aguero for Vardy, but I don't really want to take a minus four. So I might trade Mount and actually double up on Leicester in midfield. 
Yes, fair. I mean, what's your thoughts on Aguero and his big game having a big hole against big teams? I, I like him when he has big holes against big teams. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, you know, I, I, I can see him as a differential for me. That's the issue. So it's either a blindly arrogant, um, naive selection or it could be a masterstroke. It could be one of either. But with Mounts uh, perhaps not being an option, I'm probably going to keep Aguero and, uh, and move Mount to a Madison or someone like that. And my skipper... Oh, that is one that's going to come down to the uh, the final minute, I think. No decision from you, then. I'm, oh, I'm going to push um, you. Give me something. I, I might actually back up my differential Aguero with a captaincy, because then I'll either completely flop and fall behind, or I'll get a little bit of an edge over those of you that don't have him. So That's what I'm saying. I do think the City assets are still viable for this weekend. I don't think you should just veer away. They can no. score against anyone, and I do but think they're not bad they're team, are they? They're, they're all right, <laughs> it's tough but they get by yeah nice uh, interesting chat there chaps regarding all things transfers and captains trapped in's the new name of that feature <laughs> let's go through our mini leagues then so first of all the uh the patreon league the top three this week we have frederick tannum in third silas bartlett in second and first is our friend from the isle of wight Tim Regan Morris. Tim, do let us know if you don't want to be associated with the Isle of Wight anymore. But great to see him doing well. <laughs> yes, he's doing well. And um, we've got our public league. So the code to join is CCCJK2. The top 10, let's go. 10th place, we've got Evan Guest. 9th is Christian Riddell. 8th place, Paul Marshman. 7th is Mike Butcher. 6th place is uh, Halstein Stabo. 5th place, Christina Hogseth. 4th, Kevin Allen. 3rd is Theodore Eekbacker. 2nd place is Evan O'Toole. And 1st place, Rui de Oliveira. Very impressive overall score of 720. Yeah, but yeah, wow. they've got some high scores in that top 10, haven't they? Oh, look, mm. at, uh, look at Theodore in 3rd place, 111. How do you manage that this week? Oh, what? Uh, there's me around 50. I uh, just... It depresses me looking at these these schools. Can we not read sat, out the top ten anymore? Sat please? there proudly <laughs> nurturing your fifty points while these this lot are just yeah. yeah depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so let's, <laughs> let's stay let's positive. Let's let us let us let us let us let's inject some uh, enthusiasm into the podcast and get our guests top three picks and top three differentials for this coming game week. Let's go to Alex first on that. So Alex, give us your top three picks of the week. Um, so my top three are Jimenez, Vardy, and yeah, sticking with your thoughts that Sterling and um, that City and Pool players could still do something this week. I've got still got Mane in there. I think um, I think that City defence is not particularly good, and, and I, I feel like Mane could still do well this week. So I'm going to stick him in there. My differentials are Pulisic. Um, I think I really like the look of him. I won't bring him in just because of too much rotation, but if you if you fancy a risk, that could be nice. Jota, who I think is starting to get over his injuries and looks like a nice cut price, cut price alternative to Jimenez if you can't afford him. And uh, Willems, who's the Newcastle United defender. I think Steve Bruce will always be able to, as a Wednesday fan, we lost him as our manager to Newcastle and he was very good at setting up ship and you know just keeping keeping players out. So I think they will still get clean sheets. And he uh, Willems had four attempted assists uh, last week alone away to West Ham, in, in, and he got an assist in that game as well. So um, at four point five, I think uh, if you if you're looking for a punt, and he's actually I'm, I'm, as I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I could maybe do Bolly to him and just have him as a sort of rotating cheap 
player on my bench. So yeah. maybe go for a little bit more excitement with that. Yeah, I agree with all of them. Nice. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the inclusion of Pulisic. I think he's uh, starting to look like the man that they paid for. Hmm. Ronnie. Yeah, my differentials are Ings. Actually, it kind of just I went through the players and the uh, upcoming fixture, and Ings somehow just spoke to me. <laughs> uh, and then I have Jimenez. He's not a differential. Maybe he's eleven point eight now. And then I have uh, Jan Mat. I don't know how to. And then top players are Vardy, Wilson, and Tammy, uh, which are at least Vardy and Tammy are good captaincy options. And I think Wilson with uh, Bournemouth. Yeah, everyone was looking at Ings at one point uh, because he was scoring quite consistently. But obviously they got that drop in against Man City and then um, they got that drop in against Leicester and then everyone just kind of didn't want to go anywhere near him. But yeah, I think that's a, a good shout. And the Yamat one, yeah, they have improved defensively, Watford, but I was quite tempted by him myself. I just, uh, he comes off uh, every so often. So yeah, I kind of veered away from that. Yeah, some nice shouts there. Our guests are fans of uh, Daryl Yamat this season, it seems. Nice. Okay, well, we've uh, let's look in the feedback box. Box? Christ. Um, let's look in the feedback box. So Lord John Snow has uh, said... Always take my time to listen to this. Enjoyed the pod. Very insightful. I hope to beat the curve on certain gems uh, right now. I, uh, I need the luck. You guys put an amazing effort onto this. Thank you very much, Lord John. Thank you, John Snow. Iceman, do we have any sexy thoughts? We do. I don't have it ready. <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay, okay, I'll play sexy thoughts now. Sexy with sexy thoughts. This week's sexy thoughts inspired by a friend of mine. Sounds dark. He's cutting down his plastic usage. I'm trying to do the same. Everyone else should do the same. Plastic is terrible. Try and carry a glass drink bottle or aluminium or stainless steel drink bottle with you. Try and reduce your plastic usage around the kitchen. Anyway, you can kind of think about it, do it. It's good for the environment. Yeah! So that's right. Save the environment and uh, drink alcohol. <laughs> good combination. I, uh, I I like the, uh, in spite of the fact that Brett sounds a little bit drunk there, he still managed to pull on the main environmental issues in the world at the moment. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> there, there was an important message, I think, hidden there amongst the, uh, the slurring. Some of them plastic. Or... Plastic and steel. Something. Mm. Love the sexy thoughts. More of those again next week. Um, Iceman, who is our guest next week? Uh, our guest next week is uh, Rory Cartwright. Uh, Excellent. He has an amazing field record. And he runs uh, one of the uh, biggest paid leagues via Moolah. Ooh. Excellent. Okay, well, we're looking forward to hear from Rory and what he's got to say for himself next week. We've got a uh, we've got another question. So, good evening, Alex. FPL sexy. Has anyone ever scored four goals in a real life match? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see anybody. That one. Can, well, let's go, let's go through the surgeons. Um, Iceman, <laughs> I can't say I've I've ever scored 
more than one in a uh, an eleven aside game. Uh, maybe not even that. How about yourself? I've scored five. So uh, oh come on! Uh, I mean, we come did win. We, we did win nineteen one. So they were, yeah. Did they have a goalkeeper? <laughs> I can't believe you've you've taken the wind out of my sails like that, Ice Man. I mean, I would say sorry, but I'm just not. <laughs> what position were you playing? Played centre mid. Central midfield. Yeah, they weren't very good. Hey, hey, how have we made this about you? This story was about me. <laughs> I was, do, do you really asked. I know did. Well, the direction I was going in there, I was going to go round. I thought I was expecting everyone to say no, and then <laughs> Alex could. <laughs> Ronnie, have you ever scored four in a game? Maybe minus one. <laughs> minus one. Okay, okay. And uh, Alex, have you uh, any, any experience of this? <laughs> I, I, fun, funnily enough, bully. <laughs> <laughs> Since you ask, maybe at the weekend I scored four goals in one game. Well done, Alex. All credit. Let's give you a clap. Well done. Well, hold on a minute. <laughs> I don't know about the finisher. So, so is this left foot, right foot header? We got a perfect tap trick. You know what? No, no. Give us the breakdown. All, all four left footers. Yeah. All four left footers. One was a toe poke through the goalkeeper's leg. Yes. A couple of couple of uh, sort of cheeky half foot volleys, and uh, one was just a tap in at the back post. Right, po- right place, right time. Always like those. Not that I ever score them, but yeah. Sounds like Lundstrom. Yeah. Oh, it does. Sound- <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like the left-footed Lundstrom. Yeah. <laughs> Stick your captain, the triple captain on a, on Lundstrom next That's week. The one. Um, That's actually, the one. I, it's coming. I just, it's coming next week. All on, uh, all on Alex Water, baby. Next week. <laughs> um, actually, can we just take a moment to say a little prayer for those who triple captain Sterling this week? <laughs> Oh, oh yes, uh, <laughs> a couple well, of our, our good friends who, who did, did take that decision. Not a bad <laughs> shout before the game. Afterwards, though, has left them in a little bit of a pickle. Right, um, chaps. I think that brings us to the end of uh, of another FPL surgery podcast. First of all, I want to thank Ronnie Romfrosk for joining us. That's not his full name, just to be clear. <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, be on, and uh, I hope to uh, be on once more later. Yeah, thanks, Ronnie. And up to pod. Thanks, Ronnie. <laughs> That's coming in just a moment. Uh, Alex? Thanks for having me again, fellas. Always enjoy it. Always enjoy uh, chatting all things football, and especially after the weekend you've scored four goals. And Iceman, I'm, I'm never going to forgive you for trumping me by saying <laughs> I've scored five. <laughs> uh, yeah, he asked me. I wasn't going to lie. Like, yeah. I could have Don't lied and said I, I scored seven, but... Uh... <laughs> You see, Thanks, Alex, anyway, boys. Yeah, it's been great having you, Alex. I wouldn't have even tried to have. Uh, I've just been lying. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, great to have you aboard again, Alex. We'll have you on again soon, no doubt. Uh, Iceman, actually, no, I'm not going to come to you just yet. Let's talk about how people can get in contact. So, as usual, if you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery, you can support us at different levels, get involved in our Slack channel, and the chance to win some cool prizes. Uh, you can join our mini league code CCCJK2. Check out fplsurgery.com and you can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit, and Twitter at FPL Surgery. Most of our chatter goes on Twitter. And thank you everybody who's following us on there. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you uh, listen to the podcast, give us a rating and, uh, and some feedback. It, it just helps other people to see the podcast when they're looking for an FPL podcast to listen to. And uh, you can email the Iceman, info at fplsurgery.com. Fan mail uh, accepted, hate mail not so much. <laughs> Iceman, it's, uh, it's that time again. We head into uh, another game week as we head towards our one and a half century 
of these bloody things. Mm. Um, any any reflections for the week or, or hope or comments you can offer to our wonderful? Don't, don't really have anything. And on that note, thank you all once again for listening. Good luck in your game weeks. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up, up the, the pod. pod. Up the pod. Ah, oh, simultaneous. Cue electro. Bear with me two seconds while I play uh, Mad Hatter's Alexa's Afterthoughts. Alexa, talk to me, you over-engineered can of tuna. Ah, I remember my first beer too, Mad Hatter. I could eat a bowl of alphabet soup and curl out a smarter insult than that. So, <laughs> this week in FPL we've seen more Captain Troubles, more benching issues, and more toys thrown than a pissed-up England rugby fan. In Gamelies. No obvious candidates for captaincy next game week, but my outside pick would be Marshy Owl. Yeah, mm. I know. Good luck, everyone. May the green arrows be kind to you all. Oh, Matt Hatter, I see you took your kids out for Halloween. Did they have fun? I hear that when you were little, you were so damn ugly that your mum made you trick or treat over the phone. Yeah, well, joke's on you. Because that's actually true. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Great stuff, man. God. They freaking crack me up, though. <laughs> <laughs> he oh, is funny, that guy. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs>